Philippians chapter 3. We're going to start or continue our series. And uh, as I look at the clock this morning, I am reminded that I don't have much time, all right? So we're going to try to get through this quickly. Um, This is our third week, so hence we are in Philippians chapter 3, all right? So we have been walking through the book of Philippians. We see the theme that kind of rises. One of the themes that rises to the top in the book of Philippians is the theme of joy. And we see rejoice or joy over and over in the scripture. Chapter 1, we looked at the fact that we should find joy. Then we talked about choosing joy. Today, what we're going to talk about is enjoying the journey. Sometimes life is really fun, isn't it? Sometimes life isn't so fun, isn't it? And I think what, what Paul wants us to understand that is that even, even when life is difficult, remember Paul's writing this under imprisonment from Rome because he was preaching Jesus. And he's writing this letter back to the church, a local church in Philippi, wanting to encourage them. He wants to thank them for their generosity, much like we've just done this morning. He also wants to encourage them that when life is difficult, we have to understand that my, my joy uh, is not based on my circumstances, that my joy is based in a person. That person is Jesus. In fact, we made this statement last week. We, we spelled out the word no, N-O, Jesus, N-O, joy. We also spell out K-N-O-W, Jesus, And that means that if you know Jesus, you can have joy. Would you agree to that, those of you who are followers of Jesus, that that joy is found in a person? And so if I could just summarize the the sermon in one sentence, and you want to get up and leave, that's fine. This is basically a sermon in a sentence, and it says this. Remember who you belong to and where you are going. If you want to have joy in life, if you want to enjoy the journey, you need to remember who you belong to and where you're going. And that's what Paul says here in chapter 3. So let's read chapter 3 this morning. Verse number 1 says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same thing to you is not tedious, but for for you it is safe. Okay, we're going to get back to that. Verse 2, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh, though I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so, because I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews concerning law, a Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the the righteousness which is in the law, and he claims... If anyone was blameless of keeping or able to keep the entire law, Paul is saying it was me. I was that guy. I was the most religious dude in the world is what he's saying. But, verse 7, the things were gained to me. These I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all these things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I am suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and that I may be found in him not having my own righteousness which is from the law but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness which is from God by faith 
that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Jesus or Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. This is another theme that continues to show up in Philippians, right? The, the, the sake of unity. For the sake of the gospel, we as a church as a faith community, will be unified. Verse 17. Brethren, join in the following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, which... We also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will tra transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he, he is able even to subdue all things to himself. So this morning, as I want to give you just three things, three quick things this morning. And at the close of this, I want to give you an illustration of what Paul is saying. So Paul says really quickly in verse number one, he says, these things are not tedious of me to write. Like he he's also said, I'm going to write the same thing. In other words, he's telling us, this is not the first time I've written a letter to explain to you that there's unity in Christ, that you should have joy in Christ. This is a, this is a reminder to you. And he says, it's not hard work. It's not tedious. It's not burdensome. The reason he says it's not is because he says in, in the translation we just read, the New King James says, it is safe for you. But in the New Living Translation, it, it kind of words the end of that a little differently. He says that it's going to be, as you see on the screen, I do it to safeguard your faith. There's another translation, the NASB, and it words it just a little bit differently. It says it's a safeguard for you. So why is Paul saying that I'm writing this reminder again I'm not worried about it. I'm not troubled by it. It's not hard work. But the reason I'm writing the same thing to you, this reminder, is because it's a safeguard for you. It's a safeguard for your faith. It is safe for you to remember these. Well, what do you think he's wanting the church at Philippi to remember? Again, if the theme is joy, what he's saying, if you'll remember these things, then you can have joy in the journey, and it's a safeguard for your faith. The, the truth is, you do not need a safeguard for your faith if life is always good, because you really don't need faith if, because there's this misconception, this misunderstanding that, well, if I just go to church and if I'm a follower of Jesus, all my problems go away. There's always money in my checking account. My kids don't get sick. And my kids walk in perfect obedience to everything I say. And everyone that has a kid or a checking account and is a follower of Jesus, you know, that's not always the case, is it? And again, remember the circumstances by which Paul is writing. He is in prison for preaching Jesus. He's not in prison for any other thing other than 
he preaches Jesus. And so Paul says three things I want you to point out to you today to remember that will be a safeguard for your faith so that in difficulty you can still choose and find joy, even in difficulty. The first thing is he simply says, remember how it started or remember the start. And we're going to kind of get back to this, but in the first like 11, 12 verses, what Paul is saying, he's like, now remember if, so he says in verse number two, beware of the dogs. Okay. Good unpack that a lot. But he's, he's basically talking to the Jewish people and he says, then the mutilation, the mutilators. Okay. He's talking about the religious Jewish people who are telling the Gentile, non-Jews, who are coming to faith in Jesus that they have to be Jews, they have to be circumcised, they have to live up to the law in order to really be saved. Like they're saying, okay, yeah, there's this grace thing, but, but, but hold on, it's not just grace, it's also works. Like you have to live up to the standard. You have to do all the rules. And what Paul is saying is, look, if, if confidence was in the flesh... He's warning them, listen, what they're teaching you is false. You don't have to live up to a standard. Because what Paul is pointing out to them is, you're good enough will never be good enough. Because then he says, but if, now if you could be good enough, and if you could have confidence in your good works, Paul says, hey, if anyone could be confident in their good works, it's me. I was a Jew of the Jews, circumcised on the eighth day. I went to all the religious laws. And in fact, he uses the word we pointed out that I was blameless according to the law. Like, I lived up to the standard. And then what does he compare his religious works to? Trash, rubbish. One translation would translate it dung, poopy, right? (laughs) All of my good works, Paul says, are, you can say the word again if you want. That's what he says. So what he's wanting them to remember is that you didn't become a follower of Jesus because of how good you were. You became a follower of Jesus because of how good Jesus is. It wasn't based on your works. It was based on his works. And doesn't that bring joy to your life to know that you didn't have to earn your salvation and you don't have to try to keep your salvation? The second thing he remembers is not only remember the star, but remember the journey. Because life is going to be difficult and there are going to be problems. And Paul says there in verse 12 and 13, but one thing I do is I'm going to forget. I'm going to forget the past. I think he talks about the religious past, but I think it could all be, also be application that, you know, I got saved at the age of 17 I gave my life to Christ. I realized in that moment that I wasn't, well, I already knew I wasn't good enough. I would never be good enough. And I placed my faith in Jesus. But the reality is I've made a lot of mistakes since I was 17 years old. And Paul was saying, even as a follower of Jesus, you're going to make mistakes, but confess, repent, push them away, quit dwelling in the past. I'm going to move forward with Jesus. Because the Christian life, Paul's wanting us to be reminded today, is not always rainbows and unicorns, right? Life is, life is tough. Remember, it is a journey. In other words, he's saying, listen, perfection is not the goal. Progression is. We've talked a lot about this, about the word sanctification, that as a follower of Jesus, Jesus wants me to be more like him every single day. And how do I become more like Christ? Like, get into his word. That's why we gave those families a Bible, because the Bible 
reveals sin. The Bible reveals how to live. The Bible gives us our moral authority. And so I want to get into the Word, all right? So I want to remember the start. I want to remember the journey. The third key to enjoying the journey is remember the destination. Did you guys know Jesus is coming back? And when he comes back, he's going to make all things new. So today, this week, we celebrate the first advent. Advent simply means coming. We celebrate the first coming of Jesus, but we also anticipate the second advent. Are you looking forward to the second advent? And he says, listen, if you were a follower of Jesus, remember you were saved by grace through faith. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a gift of God. Remember the journey, yes, there's going to be ups and downs in the Christian life, but perfection's not the goal. He said, I've not been perfected, but I'm pressing toward the goal. I'm progressing towards Christ. Remember the destination, and I'm so thankful that the end of this life is the beginning of new life, and I'll be forever in the presence of Jesus. And so what he compares there in like verses 20 there, he's like, those others whose God is their belly, that's, we won't talk about that, Christmas is coming up, but he said, he said they set their mind or their affections on earthly things, and there's this contrast. So when I have, we, we talked about this on, this on the Sermon on the Mount, remember we talked about if your light be good, it'll, your body will be full of light, but if your eye be dark or evil, it will be full of, your body will be full of evil. And it was talking about eternal and heavenly or earthly temporal perspective. So when life gets difficult, Paul is saying, don't forget how blessed you are to know Jesus. Don't forget the journey. Yes, it's tough, but Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. His grace is always sufficient. And don't forget the destination that one day we will be in the presence of not baby Jesus, but King Jesus. Are you excited for that? King Jesus. Now, I want to illustrate this for us a little bit this morning because I think, at least for me, sometimes um, I'm, I'm like this visual learner, okay? See if I don't hit anything. All right, so I want to explain to you. So what Paul is saying and what we want to be reminded of today is that you're good enough will never be good enough. Paul is saying, listen, I did all the rules. I lived up to the law, but it wasn't enough. He's the one that wrote in Ephesians 4, by grace, you are saved. It's through faith. It's not of works. It's a gift of God. And Paul wants us to understand again that, listen, and so there in, in verse 9 and 10, he talks about righteousness. He says, it's not about my righteousness. It's about God's righteousness. So what I want to do is illustrate this for you this morning. All right? So I'm, I'm probably one of the best, most committed Christians in the room. I'm sure of that, right? That was a joke, okay. I'm definitely not. But what I want to illustrate for you this morning is that let's just pretend I am. Let's, let's just pretend this morning that I am the closest person walking with God in the whole room. And even if I, that were true, do you see what I'm covered in? 
Like, let's just be honest. Every one of these things I wrote on here, including murder and adultery, remember the, the standard Jesus changed it to? If you have lust, you're an adulterer. If you have hatred toward your brother, you're a murderer. Every one of these covered front and back. I'm guilty of. The, the truth is, I've been guilty of every one of these this week. And what Paul is saying is that if you think that your good enough is good enough and you stand before God clothed in your righteousness, it's not going to work out well for you. Jesus is going to tell you, depart from me. I never knew you you workers of iniquity. There's this interesting like financial word called impute. Anybody ever heard of the word impute? So the law or the theology of imputing, of being imputed, it's kind of a weird word to say just to be honest with you, works in our favor, but it also works against us. Because the Bible says that the way sin entered in the world by one man, because of Adam, all are sinners. Because of Adam and Eve's sin in the garden, their sin was imputed to my account. That I was born into what? Sin. And the punishment for sin is, it doesn't mean just like I'm gonna die. Death, really what it means is I'm going to be separated from God forever. And so if I stand before God clothed in my righteousness, I'm going to, be, I'm going to have the second death, separated for God for all eternity. Because Adam's sins and because, let's be honest, of my own sins. There's a verse in 2 Corinthians 5.21. Paul also wrote this verse. And made me think of this verse when we talk about don't have confidence in my righteousness because this is me in my righteousness. It's filthy rags. It's poopy. I want you to look at 2 Corinthians 5.21. It'll, it'll be on the screen for us today. For he, God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So that word imputing, it kind of got us at sin. All of Adam's sins were accounted to my account. Imputing simply means I'm going to credit someone else's account. So all of his sins got credited to my account, and that's why I stand before you guilty. But what this verse is saying, that that word now is something good that Jesus came in a lowly manger. What did we read last week in Philippians 2? He, became, he humbled himself, became obedient to death, even the death on the what? Cross. And because of the cross, because of Jesus, what Paul is saying is, look, we can't have confidence in our flesh. We can't have confidence in our goodness because our good enough will never be good enough. But what he says is that, look at the, look at the verse, he who made him who, to, who knew no sin, 
He became sin for us that we may become the righteousness of God in him. And what the cross allows is that the righteousness of Jesus has now been imputed, credited to my account. And when I stand before God, he's not going to see my filthy rags. I'm going to be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. And Paul says, based on that, we can enjoy the journey. This morning, you may be still wearing this jacket. You, know, you may still be thinking, my good enough might be good enough. And what I want to encourage you today is to take this filthy jacket off and put it at the cross and put on the righteousness of Christ. And the way you do that is just like these two people testified before they got baptized. I have decided to follow Jesus. Here's how you can do that. Admit. Admit that your good enough is not good enough. Believe that Jesus died for you. Aren't you thankful Jesus died for you? Aren't you thankful you don't have to stand before God clothed in your righteousness, but in the righteousness of Christ? And then simply confess that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life.